1: Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone Time for a little What's Going On, where we take a look across the entire Zone Sports Network and play highlights, big opinions, news, sometimes funny stuff, uh, Gordo, and uh, really it's turned into a fun segment. We usually do it here at the top of the 3 o'clock hour. Uh, Gordon, we got your thoughts and we played Quinn Snyder's thoughts on the Rudy and Donovan relationship. Should we go through a couple of other things he said on uh, ESPN this morning? Let's do it. All right, let's start with this. Uh, talking about uh, if they need an alpha playmaker to win it all and if Donovan is becoming that.
2: Well, well, first, I, I do think it's true, um, particularly as you, as you get into the playoffs. Uh, it may not have to be one player all the time. You know, I think we have a very balanced team. Um, Mike Conley's capable of getting his shot. So is Jordan Clarkson, and obviously so is Donovan. I think sometimes people forget you. you mentioned it, that Donovan's young, you know, Donovan's rookie year. He came into a situation where our team um, was lacking that. And he's been able to fill that for us. As you said, he's someone that's getting better all the time. He's been in constant touch with our staff, um, figuring out what he needs to be working on. And he's had those moments. You know, he's had games, he's had big quarters in the playoffs. He's had big games in the playoffs. And when you have a young player, And all of a sudden, you're seeing different schemes. Um, There's a learning process that takes place. But, you know, Donovan's done that. And I have no doubt in my mind that that he's not only capable, but, you know, that's something that we'll see from him in the playoffs. What
1: do you think, Gordon?
3: I agree with Quinn. It's absolutely necessary. And even on a somewhat balanced team, you've got to have those star players. You've got to have those guys when you need a basket, you can turn to them. You gotta have guys who make big plays. This has been the formula for a championship or contention for a championship, as long as I can remember, and I can remember pretty far back. So it, it is absolutely necessary for Donovan Mitchell to become a superstar player for the Jazz. You know, you now, heard- whether you whether you believe he can do that or not is a, is is up to the individual to evaluate. It's a work in progress because he's still young. But he has to for the Jazz. And as his contract and as his financial demands grow, uh, yeah, he's got to be.
1: So I thought it was interesting that Coach Schneider was talking about that he's done it and looked back on, on Donovan's playoff experience. And let's look on, on that uh, for a second, and then I'll explain the next step I think Donovan needs to take to to fulfill what, uh, what you're talking about right there, Gordon. You look at his first playoff series against Oklahoma City, and I know uh, a lot of uh, nerdy folks with great memories can remember exact games or whatever, but there were games in that series where Donovan, even when being guarded by Paul George, you know, took over the game and did exactly what the Jazz needed to do to win that series. It was, what, the the last game in the series, Gordon, which was game six when he said to the Oklahoma City fans that uh, he wasn't coming back, and then that very yeah. next game, you know, went out and took over to to put the Thunder away. I mean, we've, we've seen him do that. But then in the last uh, two years against Houston, the Rockets have found a way to— neutralized Donovan Mitchell by basically putting their best defender on him for the entire game and say, don't even let this guy breathe. And And, in some
3: cases defenders.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Double teams, those sorts of things. And it's, it's, you, you know, it's hindered Donovan a little bit in those series. I think the next step for him is to expect the Rockets' treatment all the time and succeed regardless of of who's guarding him or the defensive game plan. I mean, the ultimate extreme, of course, is Michael Jordan, right? I mean, you could game plan for months, and I'd like to see you stop him in a seven-game series all the time, right? It was impossible. You know, Donovan needs to get a a little bit more of that, where regardless of who the other team is putting on him, he's going to go out there and get you 30.
3: And then the question becomes, and I'm sure this is one that Donovan is asking himself and asking his coaches, What does he have to do to make that a reality? Uh, What does he have to do, Jake? I mean, he has to be – we've talked about a couple of the things. He has to become more consistent. He has to be able to see the floor better so that if a team really does gang up on him, he has to be able to make the pass out of that that will lead to a basket for the Jazz so that you punish the other team for committing so many resources to stopping him.
1: I think there are a lot of things that go into the answer to that um, that question, Gordon, and, and we've seen it in the evolution of his game. I mean, just think uh, the what Locke, and Locke's going to be on the show in the top of the 5 o'clock hour, what Locke calls the spider spin, right? We saw that his rookie year. We saw him install that, and it was a great one-on-one move that he actually had a lot of success with in that Oklahoma City Thunder series. So he's added the step back. I mean, he needs he needs more of those moves that are really difficult to defend Especially in a one-on-one circumstance, which you get so often late in games,
3: it's a little bit difficult for him to do some of those things. Because you mentioned Jordan, of course, why wouldn't you? If you're going to establish a, a a standard of measurement, then that's a great place to start. Very difficult place to start, but a great one. And Jordan was six six.
1: That helped. Donovan is six one and three quarters. Yep. Yeah, it makes it it makes it more challenging. But then you look at somebody like Allen Iverson, who was. Probably five eleven, and there were you know few players that have ever played the game that were better at it than him. So
3: that's because he was the of fa- the fastest guy on the floor. Correct,
1: correct, absolutely, and in, in a remarkable athlete. I guess my point is, is that you know we've all got our limitations that we have to overcome, right? And so Donovan's got to play a little um, differently because he's not six six, but his wingspan helps him with that. And the more he improves his ball handling skills, the better. Uh, as he far as this a- conversation goes
3: he has been a little more consistent this year he said that was one of his goals i think his shooting percentage is up a notch or two right uh only slightly but in a in a, in a positive direction uh yeah i if he can get that shooting percentage up a little more and just recognize situations read what's going on on the floor and make the right decision that that's where i think because he's as athletic as he's ever going to be He's never going to be more athletic, I don't think, do you? No. So now it comes down to finite skills that he can refine, and uh, he's 23, Yeah. you know?
1: Yeah, and I think he has the potential to get there. Quinn Snyder, uh, made obvious by that cut we just played, he thinks he has the potential to get there. He's just not there yet. And and very few players really get there get there to be bona fide number ones in the NBA. So you know, just saying that he has the potential, he's st- he's still got a ways to go. That's a that's a tough standard to go put a team on your back and win playoff series. That's you know, how many players in the whole league can do that? So well,
3: he's he's going to have to do it because the Jazz have nowhere else to turn when it comes to fulfilling or filling in this part of the equation. And can you think of a championship team that didn't, ha- didn't have that kind of player? They're few and far between.
1: Well, certainly not your your semi pro hockey team because you had Puxley on that team, and he was a, <laughs> just a wall. Uh, no, I, I certainly get your point. Let's let's move on. Coach Schneider addressed a couple other things. Uh, here's him talking about his role uh, and goals with the National Basketball Coaches Association Racial Injustice Committee.
4: Well,
2: first of all, I, you know. I'm uh, I'm a follower. I haven't taken the lead as much as I have been learning and trying to commit and provide, you know, support and, and understanding from from my vantage point. Um, you know, the first step is I think the commitment that you know the guys on that committee and in particular Lloyd Pierce, who you know was the catalyst behind the formation of the committee, but not just Lloyd, not just the guys that that are on that committee, but all the coaches in the NBA. There's you know been a passion and a commitment from all 30 coaches in, you know, close to 30, 28 markets, I guess, um, for doing something that's significant. And anytime you, you commit to, to trying to do something that, you know, has significance and it is something that can truly impact change, you know, we don't want to rush into any, you know, specific agenda right now. I think there's a lot of communication. There's been multiple meetings and the important thing is, you know, that that's being you know, there there's learning that's taking place, particularly on my part. There's a lot of listening. And I'm confident that as the focus continues to, to be more specific, that we'll find some some things where we can really make an impact.
1: Yeah, well said. I, I thought uh, I think it's great that he's participating in that. And uh, I appreciate his perspective right there.
3: So he's listening and learning as we all should be.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, he he said something, and I hadn't heard those comments until now that I kind of said uh, last week, Gordon, you know, uh, we're following on some of these issues, figuring out the best way to, to listen and support. And I think that's a good perspective.
3: I don't know about you, Jake, but I think, I think this is true. This is what Quinn was getting at there. We're all looking for the best course of action, aren't we? Right. Uh, and, and we should be because these are these are issues that have not been solved in the past. And so it's best to, 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 to listen, to hear, and to understand what needs to be done. And you take an influential uh, body of coaches like the NBA coaches, uh, yeah, that, they, they, when they speak, I think people will listen to them. And uh, that, that, that's terrific that Quinn's uh, being a part of that.
1: Uh, let's get to one more Quinn Snyder bite here. He's talking about how if he has any concerns about the bubble situation down there in Orlando.
2: With the respect to the season, I, I think there, there's a lot, of, a lot of variables. You know, the NBA uh, has done a terrific job in conjunction with the Players Association uh, to try to mitigate and try to address uh, some of the concerns that, that obviously are, are there, not just with our players and other leagues and across the country. Um, I, I think first and foremost, the, the question of health and not just generally with COVID, Uh, but more specifically to the players. And that's been something that's been discussed a lot. Um, I know the health performance staffs are aware of it, as are the coaches. So I think conditioning um, and all the things that go into a training camp that prepare you to play are really important. And then the obvious, you know, we're going to be in one location for a significant period of time. And I I think the mental component of that, um, teams focus, their commitment. I mean, I – you know you're familiar with the teams in the league, um, and, and I think you'll see that. I think guys, uh, in spite of the layoff, are going to be really focused and, and prepared to play. And you know that's going to that's going to show itself over, you know, a regular season period that's obviously shorter. And I think by the time the playoffs start, you'll see some teams that are really focused and ready to go.
1: Gordon, that's kind of a funny thing to think about, isn't that the coach's dream that he's going to have the attention of his players twenty four seven?
3: <laughs> Unless it's too much of a good thing. Right. Maybe maybe it is.
1: But, I mean. Well, they get sick of each other. They're, you know, they're, you know coaches don't like distractions, right? So uh, this is getting rid of a lot of the distractions often that uh, that uh, uh, get in the way sometimes.
3: I don't know. It seems to me like a lot of young people these days, if they have their phone, they have their world, Right.
1: Right. Right, that's so, that's true, but but also not you know, uh, you know, at the bar until four a.m. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: what's I don't know what the setup is down
1: there. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I don't I don't know that uh, I don't know that either. So, but,
3: well, uh, they will be able to focus, and that that's a really interesting point. They will be able to focus on basketball, but uh, these distractions they've changed. Now, now they're more about safety. They're more about family members. In in the case of some of these players, it will be uh, separation, anxiety of being away from their families and over an extended period of time, and not really be able to to spend time. So uh, they'll they'll have to uh, the overcome these obstacles and and move forward and and try to improve and try to get back uh, where they want to be. Uh, in as far as basketball goes but it 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 does bring up the question about the motivation of some of these players how motivated are they how motivated will they be to win will it be the same as it always is in the playoffs or in this case will some teams or some individual players on some teams think i gotta get out of here i want to get out of here i want to be here for two and a half months
1: I, I think there will be some of that. Get, uh, just on the distraction thing, real quick here, Gordon. Just to just to mention this, and I don't want to get into too many specifics uh, with the with the issue because it doesn't really matter. But there was a player for the Jazz a couple of years ago, Gordon, that really turned it on a couple of months in the season. It really, like started playing a lot better. And uh, behind the scenes, I asked a couple of folks, like, wow, what's going on with him? And uh, this particular player had made some rearranging in his personal life that that helped out and helped him focus on basketball. And it was amazing because he was just playing so much better. So sometimes—
3: What was the nature of the distraction?
1: uh, Just, uh, I guess, home life. Mm, And I'm not talking— bad stuff here just distractions that we all have oh, right okay so re rearranged a couple of things and then uh, his his play was signif- uh, significantly better so uh, i mean that stuff matters i i guess is is my point those distractions uh, that'll be Why? An interesting because he's
3: because they're human beings
1: right Ex- exactly
3: sometimes
1: <laughs> exactly exactly and then on the motivation front gordon i think we're going to see it all over the board i would guess by the time that the playoffs, we get to the point in the process where we're in the playoffs, I bet you it's it's the same as it always is. Getting there, I don't know, because you're going to have different teams in different spots and maybe some people just want to get it over with. But I would guess by the time we get to the point in this process where we're actually seeing playoff games, I bet we'll get that familiar playoff juice that we're used to.
3: This is where having good characters on your team will really help you. Because once these guys get back together, and they're, they'll, they'll be spurring one another on. They'll, they'll be pushing each other. And you don't want to let your teammates down. And so that, that goes a long way to overcoming that. On the other hand, I do think that some teams have players who may be of certain characters where they think, uh, I want to get out of here.
1: Well, I mean, you heard some, Some uh, Locke talked about this the other day on, on Hanson and Maybe we'll ask him about it when he joins us today. But the Nuggets, apparently, their team has been very focused throughout all of this to use it to their advantage, not necessarily, you know, let it hinder them. And I don't know to what extent that is, other than they help, maybe they hold each other more accountable to work on their games during this. I don't know. But they seem, uh, that's kind of the vibe coming out of the Nuggets. You know, how many teams will, will be like that?
3: Yeah, and I don't know what the opportunity has been for some players. Like when we've talked with Chris Mannix um, and others, who, who bring up the whole point that certain players haven't had an opportunity to uh, to have workout situations that were optimal, and uh, so it's it, we could be all over the map on that.
1: Yep. All right let's let's do one more. Uh, let's do a clip from DJ and PK. This is Ross Dellinger from Sports Illustrated, given the national perspective on this Morgan Scali situation.
2: So you have strong East Coast ties, and we're trying to decide out here in Utah the issue with Morgan Scowley and, and the racial slur that he sent in a text. How big of an issue is it? Does it even transfer
0: to where you could call it a scandal from being at it from a distance? How would you view it? Well, it's not, you know, it's not only there, of course. It seems to be a, a movement uh, that, you know, obviously that has pops up, and you, you've seen a lot of... Uh, you know, head coaches and, and strength coaches look kind of silly. Uh, obviously, look look bad for some of the uh, things that maybe they that have come up and they've said in the past and done. You know, at Iowa, obviously a lot of that is uh, going on. You, you saw the stuff with uh, Florida State uh, last week, and then obviously you mentioned uh, there at Utah. So it's 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 a kind of a a national thing right now. We're seeing. Um, you know, you, you coach coaches and specifically strength coaches, you know, they say a lot of different things to motivate players. And, um, and sometimes there's a line there and they, they cross it quite a bit, I think. And days, because of the uh, empowerment of, of athletes, days are, are, I think, over. You know, we're kind of seeing the, the end of that. Um, you know, you can you motivate, you have to motivate athletes in different ways
1: now. Do you think there are more big surprises out there? Or can we largely predict how this is going to go? Or do you think we should brace for some crazy curveballs that we can't anticipate right now?
0: Like as far as the season? Like the the virus and stuff? Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I think the biggest one is, we kind of mentioned it earlier, but the potential interruption of of camp. You know, if you have a flare-up or some kind of outbreak in, in August, and these teams have to have that four week of practice before the four weeks practice where they can start. You know, if you have an interruption of a few days or something, are you going to be able to start on time? You know, that's, that's one kind of big thing that I think uh, officials are are fearing that that could happen, uh, during the season, you know, um, Uh, some kind of universal testing protocol is going to be needed uh, where where everybody's on some similar pages and they're discussing that from a conference standpoint. On how to get a more universal policy uh, for testing during the during the year, and what players are ineligible when you have a positive test, how you do contact tracing, and and the eligibility of those players. So those are all things that have to be taken care of. And you know, th- another big fear, obviously, is, is uh, a second or third wave of the virus coming in the middle of football season. You know, they even have models of a, a split season. Um, so you know, that's uh, that's certainly a
3: a concern as we move forward. Yeah, he's some uh, some important points there. And I can't recall, Jake, uh, heading toward a season where you have two bigger issues sort of outside the realm of X's and O's that are hovering over the whole process. You know, and, and maybe the, the concussion, the head trauma situation uh, could fit into a category like that. But, man, between the social uh, justice push and in uh, this coronavirus thing man there's it's heavy
1: well real quick on the on the his thoughts on Morgan Scalley, maybe we can get to this coming up right around the corner too, Gordon, is he, he talked about how this has kind of become a trend where, and we've seen it, right? And he mentioned the examples, especially Iowa. I mean, there, there were all sorts of stories coming out of that football program after the Morgan Scalley situation. And maybe this is another step in something that you've been talking about for a long time. And that's the way that coaches behave when motivating their players. And of course, you wrote uh, a lot about how Rick Majerus chose to tackle those problems and and the evolution of of kind of that story maybe this is bringing on some change where coaches are going to say wait a minute maybe the way i'm motivating my players is is out of touch in a what? variety of different ways not yeah. just using that particular word but also the way that they you know you heard him talk about strength coaches the way that they motivate you to get into the weight room and and do your best maybe some of those those methods are a little bit uh, outdated to put it nicely
3: well, I've heard uh, some coaches talk about the transformation in generations, you know, and how kids today are different than kids before, and all this stuff. Well, I mean, that old school thing, those old school things, take what's best about that: having high standards, having a, 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 an expectation for excellence, all that. But don't be, don't be doing some of the things that coaches in the past have done. Yep. I mean, that just does not work. And will not work. And I think any coach that doesn't learn that lesson is going to run up against it. Isn't Dabo Sweeney uh, uh, under heat uh, for stuff back there in yeah, Clemson? Right. I mean, when you got a coach like that who's who's facing some uh, some tough questions, it's you, you can't get away with it anymore. You've got to become a better person and find a better way of doing it. And I I believe it is a better way. Hmm.
1: All right, we'll get to more of it uh, coming up. Don't forget, we've got a Mountain America market update at, uh, at 3.50. Frank Layden's on the show at 4 o'clock. The Drisdom brothers are going to join the show at uh, 4.30, and then David Locke drops by at 5. But joining us right now, of course, our friend Gabe from Syringa Networks. And uh, check him out at syringanetworks.com. Now, Gabe, if I am uh, a client of yours, and uh, let's say it's uh, Christmas Day— at three o'clock in the morning, and I have an emergency, and I need tech support, and I call. What's going to happen?
4: You're going to get someone that answers the phone. We uh, we staff our our network operations center um, year round, seven by twenty four, three sixty five, and there are trained engineers and technicians there ready to uh, to offer support to our client base.
1: And you know, one thing that's been uh, you've, you've told me in the past has been an issue in, in your industry is companies that that start off local and end up uh, being sold to a big conglomerate. You guys are dedicated to being local here and providing, you know, your services and being right here in our community.
4: Yeah, that's correct. That's that's the business model that that we feel really works in the in the places where we operate. Um, we we feel that uh, that there's kind of a void in that in that space where. Um, a lot of our competitors have kind of centralized all their operations. Uh, we've continued with this whole local presence idea, and uh, it resonates pretty well with our client base. Whether you have voice services, need video conferencing, or reliable internet connectivity, having someone here local that kind of understands the market and what you're going through, uh, we feel adds a ton of value.
1: What's the what's the number one complaint you get from folks switching over? What's the number one complaint you hear about the
4: big boys? Uh, it's really just that the lack of support. Uh, they, don't, they don't know who to call. Um, the, the, the number that they call changes. They're stuck on voicemail trees. They don't know who their salesperson is. Um, you know, just having to navigate through that jungle of this uh, large behemoth is, is really the biggest complaint that we get when we're out there.
1: SyringaNetworks.net. That's SyringaNetworks.net. Find out what they can do for you. Thank you, Gabe. Thank you, guys. All right, that's our good friend Gabe from Syringa Networks. Check him out, syringanetworks.net. All right, more big show coming up straight ahead 97.5 and 1280 of the zone.
3: So
0: put your hands together and please welcome. This is Utah's best sports radio. Back, back. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Tell a Presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward on 97.5-1280, The Zone in The Zone Sports Network. All my bags are packed,
2: I'm ready to go. I'm standing here outside your door.
1: To wake you up, say Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Big fan of the song.
3: Yeah, I've been various versions of it by artists. And, uh, but,
1: uh, and your favorite is?
3: Uh, that's a good question, actually. I might go with uh, John Denver.
1: Well, he wrote it, so that's the the original, right? But I think I like this version a little better. Do you? I do.
3: Man, I, Peter, Paul, and Mary have some... Uh, and many of our listeners probably not really all that familiar with Peter, Paul, and Mary. Uh, but, uh, you know, If I Had a Hammer, that's a
1: classic. That's a great song. Yeah, no uh,
3: doubt. What, what's the one about, uh, about the... It's kind of an anti-war song. About the uh, where have all the flowers gone? Is that the title of it? Yeah, I believe so. Those those are those are classics, man.
1: All right, Gordo. Uh, there's some other news out there in the world of sports today, and some of it is actually somewhat related. Uh, Reggie Bush is going to have his status uh, kind of—he's going to be allowed back around the USC football program again. And Zion Williamson, there's some details coming out about what he may or may not have done. At Duke, So kind of two stories from the other end of the spectrum. But starting with Zion Williamson, Gordon, uh, we've been keeping up with this story um, as it's progressed. And basically the long and short of it. And let me know if I'm leaving anything out here. Uh, Zion agreed and signed with a marketing firm right out of Duke, who likely was, you know. Uh, um, incentivizing Zion to sign with them, of course. Uh, he, well, you know, that's a great word, isn't it? <laughs> incentivizing? incentivizing. <laughs> yeah. So then Zion decides after signing with said marketing agent uh, that, uh, that they might not be the best for him. He goes back on the deal and signs with a different marketing agency, kind of a more mainstream one. And uh, now the previous marketing agency, Gordon said, Well, hey, now we're gonna, we don't think that's right. We're going to sue you for a hundred million dollars. So now where we're at in the process basically is in discovery. And uh, remember the other day, uh, Zion was granted a stay that he won't have to testify in his own defense, but others out there uh, will likely have to testify. And the bit of information that we found out today in uh, court filings is that Zion Williamson was uh, living or his family moved to Durham, North Carolina and uh, moved into a a house, I guess, or a a condo, where their monthly rent, Gordon, was valued at $4,995. And the property itself was worth somewhere in the neighborhood of $1 million. Uh, When uh, Zion's family was living in South Carolina, their rent was $800 a month. So a little bit different there, and they're asking for some answers to these questions. They looked into the property that they, uh, that they were renting in Durham, and lo and behold, I know you're going to be shocked by this, Gordon, uh, but it actually belongs to a Duke alum and booster named Thomas Morris. Uh, there's also oh, that's,
3: that's that's just a coincidence.
1: Just, on, I mean, come on. He he could be a lot of people's landlord. Who knows? There's also a uh, mention of three luxury cars registered to Williamson's parents as well. So there's uh, we're, we're finding out some of the details of Zion's life there as a member of the Duke basketball team.
3: See, now, <laughs> I guess if you're going to do this, then don't you like <laughs> drive a. A 97 Dodge or something? I mean, why set yourself up for more scrutiny by driving luxury cars? And I don't know how they're defining that. But it seems as though you're making a target out of yourself drawing attention to these kinds of things. Not that I'm advocating ways to get away with it, but... Well, there are some real parallels here between Reggie Bush and Zion.
1: (laughs) Well, it's the exact same thing that happened to Reggie Bush. He he went back on a deal with uh, some agents that he said he would he would sign with. But instead of suing Reggie Bush, they went to Yahoo Sports and and told their story in the media. So, you know, of course, the NCAA isn't going to get to the bottom of any of this. Why would they? They just react to what somebody else discovers, which is (laughs) something that's kind of laughable. But I mean, it really is the exact same story. He took, you know, or these these athletes allegedly, uh took some sort of payment with a wink wink nod nod like, hey, I'm signing with you as soon as I'm able to do it, and then they decided, no, I'm not gonna do that. And then the spurned partner in this circumstance uh causes trouble. It's it's like the exact same story.
3: And there has to be a convergence of, of call them mistakes, if you might might not be the right word, but there has to be a, a, a this this uh feathering of a lot of things going wrong in order for this to come to light right, right. like uh, in the case of Zion you described it changing uh, changing his uh, marketing guys uh, that's that is going to stir this stuff up and I I just say get used to this because it's been going on for a long long time and I don't think it's going to change anytime soon because most the guys don't get caught most of the guys have ways of uh, getting around it, and I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I, you're you're the staunch one when it comes to not giving these uh, these players extra cash, extra benefits. I all hate amateurism. Pay those college athletes. Ugh. Yeah, and that was that was as painful to you, isn't it, Jake? It is. Uh, but but if you're going to have those kinds of rules, then you're going to have these kinds of situations. They go hand
1: in hand.
5: Does it really bother you guys? Zion Williamson and his parents are getting extra
1: benefits like this? It bothers my sense of fairness. Okay. Because college basketball. Should anyone be
5: serving jail time over something like this?
1: uh, If they're getting income they're not paying taxes on, then yeah.
5: But that doesn't look like it was income. Looks like they were gifted. If somebody, that is income. If somebody's paying your rent,
1: that's income.
5: Oh, well. Hansen Scotty said they don't have a problem with this I, kind of thing. So I was wondering I, what your guys' take on. Well, it's like it's, it's, it's like handing
3: like somebody money. I mean, it's the same thing. So do, if, they, do they have a problem? Do they make a distinction between those two things? Uh, that, or did those do they two? Think it should be, uh, you know, the wild. You mean Hansen Scotty?
5: Yeah. Or no, they just said that if a player is getting extra benefits like this kind of thing, it doesn't really bother them that much. Because they assume it goes on anyway.
1: In a one-off circumstance. Oh. But then they did talk about the sense of fairness and feeling they bad did. for programs that that do it right.
5: Because Scotty uh, relayed a story from a former college coach who said, uh, my my head hits the pillow and I know my program's clean and we're not cheating. And then that guy lost his job. Right.
1: Therefore, uh, right after. In uh, you know, thereafter.
3: great I've, sense look, of I, irony. I, I know, I know life isn't fair, but I get tired of coaches – who have their praises sung like they are these great coaches when they have a lineup that has been made available to them in a way that is patently unfair because other coaches don't have access to some of that stuff. And so does that make so-and-so a great coach because he's got more resources or someone uh, in the name of the program has great resources to offer up, whereas – Coach B down the, down the somewhere else doesn't have those resources, and so he's not a great coach. I mean, any coach worth his, worth uh, anything is willing to admit that he's nothing without his players. And when you're getting a player like Zion Williamson, for crying out loud, you're going to be a great coach. So it, it's just tawdry from that standpoint. As far as the overall thing, I mean, I, I, college, give college players whatever. I it's but but make it fair
1: so one one thing Gordon and and you know my stance on amateurism we've we've talked about it many times but maybe one thing with this just heard it didn't we Uh, maybe uh, one thing with this name and likeness uh, that will be a positive or maybe something they can emphasize and they've talked about it is monitoring more closely the agents and managers and by opening up the the door to it a little bit more you can bring it above board and maybe you weed out some of the characters that are you know uh, essentially mm, mm, bribing athletes to to sign with them in these circumstances maybe you can monitor more closely the situation but it, it, you know the the thing is there's a lot of value in a great athlete all the way along the line and we've seen young people, I mean, we're talking like middle schoolers, pick up hangers-on all the way uh, throughout this process. And maybe if we can bring that above board a little bit, we can we can weed out some of the bad actors. So maybe that will be a positive that comes along with it. But I don't think it's going to fix it.
3: Yeah, I agree with both your points there. Uh, Bring it above board. But as long as you have rules in place that are prohibiting certain things that are desirable to players and their families – how are you going to govern that
1: right right?
3: I mean, it's especially when you have some a d s that are making one and a half million dollars a year out there who are crying and screaming and complaining about whatever whatever benefits these players get you know beyond just a very basic scholarship it's it's a mess man this is but it's been a mess a long time yeah. It's now just there's a brighter light that's being. Being uh, that's revealing some of it, so I I don't. If you're a fan of college sports, and most of our listeners are, many of them are, you have to uh, you're 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 putting up with with dirty dealings if you're going to go by the uh, the letter of the law.
1: Real quick, Gordon, we have some breaking NBA news, and we can break this down further a little bit later on in the show. We've got a Mountain America Market update coming up next, but a couple of tweets from Adrian Wojnarowski. Sources as NBA and MBA PA are finalizing terms on return to play plan today. There's a faction of players discussing as a group whether restarting the season in the Orlando bubble is a good idea. Several dozen players participated in a conference call in the last 24 hours to discuss it. Uh, he goes on. He says the NBA and NBA PA are expected to agree on a provision that wouldn't require players to restart the season nor subject them to discipline uh, for staying at home. Uh, the players would lose a portion of salary for those games missed. So there been, is a punishment.
3: I, I've been waiting. For, I've been waiting for that. Wait, I mean, how did I, it? It was hard for me to believe that every player wanted to wanted to go back to that situation.
1: Wait a minute, though. Am I reading this right, where where he, he starts off saying there's going to be no punishment and then just says there's going to be a punishment? Let me read this again. Well, but, uh, They're expected to agree on a provision that wouldn't require players to restart the season or subject them to discipline for staying home. The players would lose a portion of salary for those games missed. Isn't that no, punishment or discipline? No,
3: those are two different things. In one case, a guy is not, not going to work. Uh, and so his his compensation will be reduced to some extent, but there's no additional suspension or you know, penalty from that standpoint.
1: But they're treating it differently than, say, a, a, a sprained ankle. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, what do you mean? If you sprain your ankle and you're unable to play. Yeah. You're you're being compensated in
3: full. Right, except for in this case, I guess people are willfully saying, "No, I'm not going to play."
1: I guess my point is, uh, uh, so from from a from, a, from an would... ethics standpoint, is does that really is that uh, is that okay with you? Uh, You're concerned about your well-being, it. so
3: yes, I get it, I get it, but that's like saying, "Well, I'm concerned." You could make the uh, analogy that's like being concerned I might sprain my ankle, and so I. Don't feel good about
1: playing. When, uh, as
3: opposed and, to actually spraining your ankle.
1: We what was that guy's name? Uh, the jazz player, Kevin Murphy. Remember that? And we were laughing about uh, how he missed a game because of a skin rash. They said it was skin irritation. <laughs> it's like uh, I has yeah. got a rash. Uh He got paid for that. Yeah, but have you ever had a really bad rash? No, but but my point is, you know, have and, you ever been paid to have, the,
3: have a really bad you, rash? You got the chafing going on, and you got—I uh, mean—that can be rather painful.
1: But from an ethical standpoint. I well, I don't it, know, I, know but, I don't uh, know if I'm okay with that, and and in this case you're encouraging players to not say, "Hey, I have some issues about the global pandemic." You're encouraging players to say, uh, ooh, my my hammy, uh, my, I just I just don't think I can give it a go." You know I don't yeah, I don't know how I feel to... about that. You shouldn't have to fake an injury to have your concerns <laughs> addressed. That's ridiculous. Half the league suddenly has backache. Yeah, so I I don't know. I don't know if I'm coming along with with the NBA's logic here.
3: Uh I I can see the distinction there. Uh I am not I don't love it, but uh I think that's a concession not to not to have any penalty other than a if it's a slight reduction of salary then then okay. Uh and I think that's reasonable to most people, don't you? If you're not showing up for work,
1: I think yeah. this is I think this is them leveraging people to shut up. I'm not okay with that. You're, well, you're uh, leveraging you're leveraging somebody to to silence their voice. That's not okay. Are
3: you saying? It, 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 be specific here. what are you talking about?
1: They're using leverage. say, hey, if you express your concerns about not wanting to play because of COVID-19, yeah. we're going to dock your pay. That that doesn't encourage somebody oh, th- to speak up about their, their concerns. Oh, that I encourages they- people to, to button it up and make well, up a different excuse. Okay. Well, OK, but dock
3: your pay. I mean, it, I, I, I think it's beyond just that. It's someone who does not want to show up, who is not going to play. And if you do that,
1: they're going to dock your pay. Yeah, I can't believe you're not coming along with this. I'm, no, I'm I, get, I get what you're saying, but those are two different things. Let's not bully people into silence if they're legitimately concerned.
3: No, but I think the bigger portion of it is if you don't want to play and you don't want to come and show up in Orlando, then your pay is going to be docked. So do you right? don't have to, You don't have to come play. But your salary is going to take a little bit of a hit if you do that.
1: Right. If you don't if you don't feel comfortable coming to play, the, the consequences are going to be punitive for you. You don't have an issue with that message? Not,
3: not, not punitive from a standpoint of being suspended. It
1: could be a lot worse. It's a, a punitive from mean, a financial standpoint. Yeah,
3: but you're not providing any service. That you're being paid to provide.
1: You're not providing any service when you're sick from the flu. Well, maybe a bad example, a skin yeah, rash in Kevin Murray. Yeah,
3: but you're not sick yet. Uh,
1: I, I've i got an issue with this. I, I do. Right, well, and, and you know what? I've been more on the side of I'm all about coming back. But I, you should not. That feels like you're silencing people's voices. I don't know. I'm, I don't I, know well, if you're, I'm okay you're, with you're
3: that. Put, you're putting a lot more emphasis on that than what I am. I, I, I think the bigger issue is... Are you willing to p- play? If you're not willing to, to play, we'll still pay you, kind of, but not as much. Right. That's, but that's it's not, not okay. It's, that's not, that's not silencing people. That's totally go, silencing go people. No, no. Voice your opinion. It's and just going to cost come. you. It's going to cost you a little bit, but you're not going to be suspended. You're but not going to face fines or anything like that, and you're not providing your service. It's a, you. you haven't sprained your you, you're not you don't have the flu. You don't
1: already have COVID-19. You're telling people that if you have concerns, just make up something else. You shouldn't have to tell somebody if you have concern about coming back, but you want to get your whole paycheck. Fake an injury. That's that's the message hey, that's coming through no, loud no, and clear on this. They're, this they're, I've got a total issue with this.
3: They're on the honor system here, right?
1: Hey, people want to get paid.
3: Mm, Well, is this going to put a lot of onus on the trainers to decipher what's real and what isn't? You can get a little, uh, you know, ointment for that itch.
1: You know, okay, like, uh, and I, wow, we're really out of time here. But Brad tweets and he says, "Jake, wake up! If I don't go to work because I'm afraid of going, then I don't get paid. Nor would you. I get that. This is this is a broader issue. Well, if you folks are out there
3: paid in this, the, the players are getting, still getting paid. It's not they're not getting as much, but they're still getting paid. But if
1: I'm if I were not comfortable with the environment and I voiced that opinion to the company I was working for, and it was it was met with, well, we're going to dock your pay." I don't conceptually no, no. I'm not okay yeah, with they're, that they're,
3: they're only going to like your pay if you actually don't show up mm.
1: All right well we can get back to this uh, a little bit later on but uh, right. I, I, I conceptually have have an issue with this whole thing all right'll we'll, we'll get to a mountain America market update coming up next 97.5 and 1280 the zone Where have all the flowers gone? show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time for another Mountain America Market Update. Let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now from Mountain America Investment Services, he's our good friend, Ray Nishikawa. Ray, what's happening? Hey, Jake, how's it going? Hey, we're doing just great. Let's talk
6: about the markets today. Well, the markets, I'm sorry, I'm laughing because of the intro song. I'm sorry. Give me me a brief (laughs) second. I know it's Gordon's favorite song, but still.
3: Um, Haunting, yes.
6: Okay. All right. So the market, uh, it was mixed. Uh, the S&P was down uh, half a percent. The Dow was down 1 percent. And the tech stocks, the NASDAQ, it was up 0.67 percent. Uh, the big announcement today was that the Fed did announce that they are not looking to change interest rates. Uh, they do plan to keep it at or near zero, um, possibly until 2021. I thought the interesting thing, though, was they did give out uh, expectations for uh, economic growth. So their predictions as of right now is we are going to shrink by six and a half percent in 2020, and we're going to grow by five percent in 2021. Um, for the for you guys and the listeners to put it in perspective, uh, 2009 that was the midst of our uh, great recession. The economy shrank by two and a half percent and recovered by 2.6 percent the following year. So, in summary, we're looking at you know, a shorter, worse decline this year and in a quicker, um, bigger recovery, possibly next year. So what do you make of that as far as uh, any uh,
3: information or tip you can pass along to our listeners?
6: So I had everything lined up today. I was going to talk about the Lakers again and I was going to trash BYU. But um, I was listening to what you guys were talking about, about, you know, paid college football players. And I thought I'd like to kind of piggyback onto that. All right, if that's okay. Jump on board. All right, so the the tip though is um, I have a very good friend that is uh, that used to play poker for a living, and uh, I've always asked him you know, what's what's a good way you know to get better, and he gave me a lot of advice. But the one that really stuck with me was he always said, "Don't chase, right? Don't chase a bad hand." And you know, looking at you know what's what's happening in college football specifically. If you look at it from the institutional side, you look at what happened to SMU, right? A lot of pressure. You had football that was just insanely popular. It still is, but really, at that point in Texas, you're, you're a new school. You need to succeed. And, you know, you chased, right? The pressure was enormous to just get good. And, you know, institutionally, was it worth it? You look at SC, you know, was it worth it? Um, whether the players should get paid or not, that's neither here nor there for me. But if you look at it as an institution, as a household, you know, I think the advice of don't chase is, regardless of how much success you can get in the short run, you know, unlike sports, investing doesn't reset once a year. You don't get an off season. I mean, really, the big break you get is possibly when you retire. And if you start saving when you're in your 20s, you're possibly talking about a 30 to 40 year window where you're constantly having to be on and constantly making decisions. And really that one moment where you make that big chase and it fails for you, you don't get a break and you don't get a reprieve. And so I think it's a really dangerous thing to be doing, especially if you're looking super long-term.
1: Well said as always, Ray. We appreciate it, man. Well, thank you very much. All right. That's uh, our friend uh, Ray Nishikawa from Mountain America Investment Services. And that is another Mountain America Market Update.
5: The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured Mountain America credit union deposits and are not NCUA insured. These products are not obligations of the credit union and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by Mountain America or any government agency. The value of the investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is
1: possible. How about that, Gordon? I like it when Ray listens and uh, draws uh, examples from the show.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm all about that for sure.
1: All right, let's now get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, of course, our good friend Gabe from Syringa Networks. Check him out online, syringanetworks.net. And, Gabe, you guys are all about customer service in the telecommunication world, which is so important right now.
4: That, that is correct. You know, today, with, uh, with the pandemic and the way work has changed, uh, people are relying on Internet connectivity and all the, the various uh, – platforms that that brings about like video conferencing and uh, remote voice and hosted voice and things of that nature and so having reliable connectivity and uh, experts to talk to you when to talk to you when you have issues with those are what we feel are certainly key in today's environment
1: how many companies have you worked with recently Gabe that are really overhauling things to fit the current situation I bet it's been a lot
4: oh I I would say it's the uh, 90 percent of the, the our existing client base and then any new clients that we're bringing on board are certainly looking at transitioning over to more of a work at home or remote work type environment of some sort.
1: And I'll just say this, imagining trying to make that transition with a company uh, that isn't exactly concerned about support, should I say?
4: Yeah, that would be very difficult. Um, you know, that's that's one of the things about having local support here is that uh, our technicians and our engineers are available to not only to talk to you, but to come on site, to, if at all possible, and work with work with you directly as well and uh, help you make that tra- those types of transitions.
1: Syringanetworks.net. Check them out online. Syringa, that's S-Y-R-I-N-G-A, syringanetworks.net. Gabe, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. All right. We're going to talk to the great Frank Layden coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.